Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, BloodyDisgusting.com's Dead Pixels horror video game podcast, delivering horrifying new episodes every Saturday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bo. And for the fifth year anniversary of developer Playdead's seminal sophomore title, we're chatting about one of the most highly acclaimed dystopian puzzle platformers of the last generation, Inside, in which the player controls a faceless child maneuvering through a macabre industrial world filled with mystery and danger. And as always, we'll be delving into all manner of spoilers. So, Neil, I don't think it's uh, a stretch to say that Play Dead has made a name for themselves by making these mechanically kind of very simple games, but they're made very memorable through the art style and um, more or less like logic puzzles uh, with some just very sublime environmental storytelling from going from limbo to then inside. Yeah, uh, it's a very clear through line from what they did with Limbo, which was, as you say, very simple, black and white all throughout, and like to the nth degree. And very two-dimensional, but almost like a shadow puppets, isn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, like that's the style of it. And there you had that whole thing of it being, yeah, slightly, it's an animated look to it, and you know, it, it kind of takes the edge off the meanness of it, and, you know, and you know, these games both uh, love to uh, torment their child protagonists quite a lot, <laughs> to say the least. But uh, Inside ends up being this true sort of you know, next step in what they're doing. They, they add bits of colour, but it's only little flourishes here and there. They're still very muted, still a very dark world. Um, the animation is smoother, even though the characters are... It's very simple and, like as you say, very faceless. And don't really, it kind of reminds me of um, you remember the classic game Another World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yep. like that. It has a, an air of that to it, you know, in, in terms of how it looks. And I'm pretty sure I heard them say that was, you know, something they, they were looking at during the time. But um, yeah, but you know, that's surface level stuff to what they actually achieve with these games. And I think with Inside, especially, there's this uh, whole raft of things going on under the surface of what appears to be a very simple hmm. move to the right, move to the left <laughs> and do a puzzle here sort of game. It's it has some serious, serious depth. You know, as much yeah, I I liked Limbo, but it's like by the time I got around to it, I think you know, everyone's gone about, oh it's amazing, this is this, 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 this. And it was like, yeah, it's alright. Yeah, it's fine. Like that. But I think inside is it's the more adult, it's the more grown up game you know the more sophisticated game you know the first one feels like uh an indie studio finding their feet with something and trying things out being a bit safe whilst having this their unique selling point is this dark you know kid hurting horror if you will that <laughs> has a tim burtness surface but as we said inside is very dystopian very bleak you know and uh dark comedy is in there still and you know not without it being like slapstick if you will but mm-hmm. it's a fascinating mix it really is yeah and i think grown up is the best way to put not only the game but also just the studio's growth in the mm. six years in between titles and i mean the game is deceptively simple right in terms yeah. of just you look at it at first and it's like well yeah like you said this is just moving left or right you have to jump over these canyons you got to run away from these enemies these dogs but there's so much more to that and I think that while of course you don't have to play Limbo but I think you get more of an appreciation for just how the studio play that has grown from Limbo to Inside like you said going from 2D to like 
2.5D now and how they play with the foreground and the background and how yeah. the way in which you can explore very simple environments, so deceptively simple sometimes that it's kind of like it almost becomes challenging some of the puzzles at one point because there's I'm thinking in terms of one of the puzzles where there's a ladder and it's leaning against one wall, but then you need it obviously to get up a ledge on the other side. And I was running around this room trying to figure out what to do. And then you realize, oh, I just have to grab this ladder and apply motion to it. Yeah. It's so simple, but you almost forget the ways in which some puzzles should operate just because of how simplistic everything looks and how kind of black and white and the world is in a lot of ways. Um, but it's a game that I think it builds upon the strengths or the elements of Limbo that were really promising, but maybe perhaps they were held back by this is their first title. They didn't quite evolve on certain elements as much as they could. And I think with Inside, it's not only they're sort of evolving on the gameplay mechanics and whatnot and sort of the character movements and animations and things, but really it's that environmental storytelling because Inside, again, for as black and white as the game seems, there's so much ambiguity to it, but it never feels like this is this kind of like aimless journey. It always feels very purposeful, whether it's in a puzzle or sort of a um, an enemy encounter type thing, or just the overarching trying to discover just what the hell is going on. What is this game about? I think that it's a game that really, its strength lies in having you engaged in a world where you know almost nothing about. And it's something that I think, again, it's a lot more complex than it seems just on the surface. And it's one of those games where as soon as, I think this is the third time I've played it now, it's one of those games where if I if somebody got a new console and they were like, well, what should I play? It's one of those games I'd be like, just put this on, sit there, try to play it in one go because it's something that I think is engaging no matter sort of your interest level in games or maybe even in puzzle games, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, I, I can totally see where you're coming from on that one. It's, um, I mean, I reviewed this back in the day and you know, I loved it. So it was 9.5 out of 10, I believe with this one and which as I said came out of left field for me because I, as my limbo was limbo and as fine as it was I didn't expect the depth uh, that there is to this and I think you know as you said the first playthrough is very much a case of you're just piecing things together yourself it's being left to you to sort of go, what do you think's happening you know there's enough clues to suggest that you know this is something very wrong with this world before long before you get to that end and it's upon finishing it you go back and go through different things and it makes a lot more sense you know it's like it makes a lot more sense how to get away with a lot of the violence towards the protagonist as well because it's like okay now we know why it makes you know now we know why they were being hunted now we know what they were searching for now we know why you're kind of being given empathy for for something that necessarily does it deserve it should it have it it's like got a lot of layers to it that has to be said yeah and I think that it's funny that we're talking about a game that gives you enough clues that you can form your own narrative, but it's still largely ambiguous. And yet there's so much personality and in inside that mm. I think was really devoid of limbo. And for me, that's why like, I'm, I think you and I are in the same in, in terms of like limbo perfectly fine for what it was. It's very stylish, but maybe it didn't necessarily click for us as much as inside does. And I think that the reason for that for me being is that inside has so much more personality And again, the way that the world is portrayed, it's not just this dangerous world. There's humor, there's mystery. I mean, granted, it's a lot of bleak and uh, morbid sense of humor, right? In terms of 
not only the events that you see unfolding in the foreground and the background of these environments, but also the casualness, the sort of like casual nature of how your character can die, right? And I didn't really realize, I think the first time I played the game, I didn't really realize what it was. And I was like, oh, well, you know, you got to avoid these bad guys. Don't get caught. And then the first time you're running through the woods and a dog grabs you and like rips out your throat or breaks your neck or whatever it does. And you kind of just like taken aback. And it's like, whoa, yeah, this is this is fucked. <laughs> like I was not expecting them to have this level of violence aimed at a child. Um, and it, that just if anything progresses and heightens throughout the course of the game, right? You find yourself in these more dangerous situations, but it's disturbing and it's uh, uncomfortable, but it never feels crossing the line so much that you would bounce off of the game, right? Because it's such a yeah. bleak, it's a world that matches that level of violence. Even though you don't know a lot about it, it has the capacity for that type of violence or for just the stakes being life and death, even if you don't necessarily understand why early on in the game. Yeah, I think an important part of that uh, violence and how they get away with it is it's, it's very quick, very final. You know, it isn't drawn out, it isn't torture. You know, whenever you are caught or hurt, it is pretty much uh, like with Limbo, to be fair, you know, that's it. It's happened, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, you know, it, part of the reason I always struggle with games like this and always I'm apprehensive at first when playing them goes back to the old PlayStation game, Heart of Darkness, which, you know, was a kid in, you know, like this, this very animated fantasy world where these dark creatures would, you know, consistently do very nasty things to him, but in a very, you know, very subdued way that you wouldn't really like, oh, okay, that happened. That kind of lost its impact in that game because it's ridiculously hard and unfair as games go. I think it's been, you know, quite famous on the internet for places like Game Grumps where, you know, the, uh, Aaron Hansen pretty much lost his mind playing it because it was just like, got to the stage of, oh, not again, not again, not again. Like that were the deaths and it really was, but so yeah that and I had to go through that when I was younger as well and just oh, you would not believe the impact of the bad impact it had in that regard but it was also very cool that it did this thing of just okay I get this an interesting idea you've got this child in peril and they're not afraid to, to show that child suffering the consequences of that peril of this peril that was its you know defining trait in the end and you know inside you know, Limbo and Inside carry that forward somewhat here especially with Limbo not just there as a shock tactic it's there as part of the overall narrative that's being told as you said as ambiguous as it is there is an underlying message once you figure out what was happening and what has happened by the end of the game that okay yeah it's almost telling you to accept the fact that well of course that this there's going to be there's violence towards this thing this child it, it makes sense now in the, the, the terms of this story which is you know in real life that wouldn't be acceptable still but you know here in this world that you've come to understand suddenly it's like I get it now I get why they aren't you know just being restrained about this and leaving this kid be they, 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 there's a reason that they're going all guns blazing for him yeah and I think that one of the biggest underlying elements of maybe maybe it's like a meta narrative i suppose is the idea of like player agency right this mm. idea that in the opening moments of the game 
you're just kind of looking at this still of the woods and then you see obviously the title inside on it and then nothing happens until you move the uh, stick right on the controller and then all of a sudden this faceless child jumps out of the bushes and then the game begins and that is such a strong start in terms of preparing the player for an experience that they are wholly unprepared for the first time they play it just because it kind of reinforces the idea that the player is an active participant from the moment to start the game and then until the very end of the game, obviously. But at the same time, I love the way that it really forces you to think about that in a way that, I don't know, it, it prepared me for sort of just the unexpected nature of it because I was waiting for like every other game I play or feel like I've played over uh, the course of my life. It's this idea. I'm waiting for a start. I'm waiting for press a or something of that effect. But all you, the game never instructs you to, you have to take a leap of faith and be like, well, maybe if I just start tapping buttons, something will happen. And then when it does, it kind of just gives you, it empowers the player and empowered me in a way where I was just like, I felt more involved, I guess. I don't know. I think when you place as many games as we do, sometimes you're kind of just going through the motions. Yeah. But I feel that by starting the game with this sense of empowerment, and then of course you're in the shoes and you're controlling this child who can die these horrific deaths, I just felt very much, I felt more engaged rather than just sort of the shepherd that we usually are for the protagonist of whatever we're playing. And it just, it gives this game, it, it's the perfect tone to set for exploring such a surreal kind of dystopian world um, that grows increasingly strange and increasingly horrifying until its very end. Yeah. And um, again, I think it plays into the overriding narrative, the, the reason you're always moving forward in, in these games. And, you know, the idea is you're, you're moving forward to the end. That's, that's the point. And that ends up being the very literal point. Yeah. Like this, you are being drawn to something, and that, it, unwillingly, unknowingly, you know, both the character and the player are both having this experience at the same time, and it really does lend into that agency, as you say, where you are pretty much controlling the destiny of it, but at the same time, the game is pulling the strings and telling you where to go and what you need to do to get there, much like the call of what is after wanting this child is as well. And I think that they do a really great job of masking that as if we are in control. And in reality, like you Mm. said, we're kind of we're being drawn and very literally you're going from left to right. And there's no real backtracking in the entire game other than for like going to one room to access a control panel or whatever. But its ability to kind of wrap the player up in this world and then have that illusion of control in a game where you have no control um, just really ties into the overall not only just the the world of inside but the narrative like you had said but i mean it really can't be understated how perfectly i find this game to be paced and like i mentioned earlier i mean i played this again in one go i find that yeah i mean i take a break at some point or another but it's like it's best experience for the first time i think in one go and it's only a three hour game i think so you could finish it in an evening it's best enjoyed in that kind of like one sitting because it really gives you the sense that you are on this journey And the game does such a good job of sort of evolving the environments and they grow increasingly strange. And yet, even though each environment is different and the puzzles are changing and the enemies are changing throughout each environment, it just feels like a natural progression. I mean, you start out in the woods and you see these kind of like weird machines and then you see these people with masks on that are basically like throwing 
other people into trucks and driving them away and you're trying to dodge yeah. their guard dogs and you're dodging these patrol vehicles that'll shoot at you if the, you, you get caught. And then you find yourself in a factory and there's people that are clearly like being mind controlled that are sort of walking in single file lines and it's all very uh, industrialized and sort of regimented. And there's just, it's so bizarre, but the way in which Play Dead really handles making that world and that bizarreness almost like infectious like i felt like i had yeah. to keep obviously exploring but i wanted to just learn the reason why and by two hours into the game i didn't necessarily care if i ever got all of the answers to all of my questions yeah. it's kind of just like it's about the journey more so than getting some final answer which at the end i mean it's like with anything a majority of the time the player is going to craft their own more engaging narrative sometimes with the variables given to them Rather than anybody being like, well, yeah, it's mind control and they have this and that reason for wanting to do that. Yeah, and it's weird to think of it like this going on. It is shown to be, from the start, to be he's escaping. Mm -hmm. And that's it, he's escaping from all this stuff and running away from it. Where the truth turns out to be that he's not. He's trying to go back to what he was in, you know. And again, very ambiguous why he was away from that area, but you think about it you know you are going as you said from these forests this forest then it goes all the way back into dangerous places and increasingly dangerous places and places that are clearly run by the people he's trying to escape hmm. and so it, it twigs with you as you get towards that end of that first playthrough it's like why am I going through all this to, why am I getting close there seems to be more and more values than there were when I started you know it's, it's very clear you're on the outskirts of whatever this is and that is like a your first sort of okay this is interesting then especially again once you realize why it it gets to be something quite fascinating in itself and yeah it's just it's remarkable uh, how they they've sort of choreographed that to be a thing whilst making it very subtle you know Mm. because you're just so concentrating on this world you don't really know anything about in the early stages and you see all these weird things and you kind of don't notice that slow progression to this as you said the the stuff getting weirder and weirder and more industrial and terrifying and yeah it's until the point where it does just sort of twig that hang on this has been getting stranger and stranger and for good reason it seems to turn out as you go but also just the player not questioning the reason why and yet like in the very beginning when they're getting closer and closer to the factory from the woods you start to see like all these pig carcasses everywhere mm-hmm. and they see one and then you see a dozen and then you see what seems like hundreds and there's just it's the idea that you are moving towards an ever-growing ominous and clearly dangerous environment and yet you might be questioning it but the game is so unconcerned with giving you a why i feel like if play dead had not sort of been so ingrained in the game's overarching message that really i mean the player has to put all their trust that they're going to get some sort of semblance of what is going on and play dead pays that off but think about how i mean some developers might be like well we're worried that people are going to bounce too much off of this weirdness we have Mm. to give them a definitive answer at i don't know a milestone of like a third through the game and then two thirds and then but i feel like if we got definitive answers they would have dispelled the mystery and then I don't necessarily know I would have been as compelled to keep going on towards the end other than just to say yeah I finished the game Um, and I think that they do such a great job of again like the variety of the environments and just the way in which your character has to make his way through these ever increasingly hostile areas that 
seem like they like nobody could live there. It just seems like yeah. this pl- these places are inherently hostile, and yet you're a child, obviously, who's going through them, but also like people exist there, and how anybody's able to survive in this area. Just it's a it's a very just the game itself is very hostile in every single way, in every single way, and then you just have to make do and just you got to power through and get through these increasingly uh deranged in a lot of ways events an element i think that we definitely need to get into is the puzzles and again i kind of mentioned earlier that i found that the puzzles in this were probably simpler than the ones in limbo for uh, a lot of instances and yet i found that they felt like they fit in the context of this world a lot better i found with limbo in some ways they were very difficult, but then maybe they didn't all necessarily feel as if they fit within the context of that world. They kind of felt they were crafted to be difficult. Whereas inside a lot of it is simple, logical things. And yet with every single environment or the point at which in the game that you're at, it just feels as if these are very kind of like organically representative of this specific environment or this literal just point in the game. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Um, you know, to say how more cohesion with the world, and again, still sort of remain in a sense uh, nonsensical because this world is strange, and they fit that strangeness. You know, mm-hmm. and you wonder well, why is this here, why is that there, and it still kind of connects to what you've experienced at that point. You know, and um, certain things are introduced, like you know, the one of the first big revelations you get. Um, about the character is that they have the ability to control others, you know, who are similarly afflicted, it seems. Mm. And that then becomes the basis for a lot of puzzles. And it's a fascinating way to do it because it's kind of got something of the uh, Odd World series to it in terms of sort of commanding other very simple characters to to probably their demise uh, in most cases. But it handles it really well and manages to keep it fresh and interesting you know, by offering up different, you know, very vertical puzzles, you know, multi, multi-level puzzles with it and then integrating with other puzzles entirely by the time you get closer to the end. Uh, and then as soon as you got used to that, then other stuff comes up and it all, again, fits really, really well. Yeah, I think the Odd World uh, comparison is fantastic because it maybe reminded me of like Lemmings or something to that effect, where mm. you're controlling these mindless idiots to do your bidding essentially, and friendships are very short lived and inside, right? You're basically <laughs> everybody you encounter, or the very first puzzle is uh, a group of like chickens, I believe, or baby chicks that yeah. you use to essentially suck into a machine to give you an idea of like how. There's some real dark humor in here. You basically suck a group of chicks into a machine and the baby chicks go shooting out of the machine to knock over like a hay barrel or something that you have to jump on, Um, which I thought was hilarious using these delicate little things as projectiles to uh, basically help you further maneuver the environments. But it's just very interesting within the context of the narrative as well, this idea that the only way to get ahead is to use others, much in a way that if you were playing this person that had escaped you were being used essentially while you were there, it's more than likely. So the idea that to achieve your goal, you have to take some of these sort of plights or just being manipulated in a way. And 
the only way that you can achieve your goal is to take some of those lessons and to use them against the people that used it against you. Um, and I think that that ties into the narrative really well, but it also ties into the gradual progression and scale of the puzzles of the game, right? Because it starts very simple, but then you're mind controlling one person and then you're controlling two. And then by the end, there's that fantastic sequence where you have to go through multiple levels and you essentially have to get, I think it's like 20 lemmings to follow you and stand on this pressure weight to open the door to the next area. And you have to basically figure out how to free or unlock lemmings in these three different floors. And that's like the perfect culmination of that very first mind control puzzle where it's like, okay, I have to sync up the movements of four of these lemmings so they can open a gate to free the other two. And it's just so gradual, but it feels very natural just in terms of scaling that. It doesn't, the puzzles don't go from like, okay, here's mind control one guy. And then all of a sudden you've got this horde. And I think that that natural progression just, it allows you to operate in the world in a way that just, it sells it very well. It sells the believability that you're coming into your confidence with these abilities. And if anything, like the player themselves is their IQ, for lack of a better word, their like puzzle IQ is growing and growing and growing until they meet the largest scale puzzle that they could possibly imagine. And that whole hour section that leads up to that, I think is just flawlessly paced. Yeah. And even within that section, there's like you know, the, the collectibles you get throughout uh, where you have to be slightly off the beaten track to collect these pods to get the true ending, mm-hmm. if you will. And yeah, the one in that section is probably one of the most imaginative a lot because it's uh, it has the dogs that you previously faced, but now gives you a way to sort of ward them off temporarily with a torch, yeah, a, a fire torch we're talking here. And so you'll turn around to shoo away some behind you, and then some will be going from the other side, mm-hmm. and you're sort of trying to balance between them. And then the idea is basically to keep them away from you quick enough to get to the other end and open the one of the pods, these collectible pods. Mm-hmm. And yet it's very tense and very, you know, even at a point where you've died many, many times, no doubt at this point, you know, and it sort of desensitizes you slightly to it. It's a darkly comedic death. This is a point where, you know, you fail here, it's like you get that dog death, which as we said, is one of the more violent ones that you get in this game. Yeah, it, it just feels like a proper tense, pure horror moment, you know. It's like, you know, inside is horror in the sense that it is just unexplainable in a lot of ways and there's just stuff that's as a, as a morbid sense of humour to it but yeah there are just moments where you're like fucking hell you know this is <laughs> yeah. uh, there's you know this is one of them you know the, the other comes later in a set of uh, time puzzles with the the water nymph that mm-hmm. just seems like a variant of, another variant of what this child is they're this long-haired creature that's swimming after you through certain sections and if they get you you're done for also even when you're in the relative safety of a little um, biosphere to go underneath and sort of travel through it still is able to crack the glass on it and break through which you know the first time you figure that out is kind of horrifying because you think oh I'll be safe in here right. like that and then you see it break through oh, shit <laughs> like it's like a yeah, it just it has these wonderful moments of terror that out of nowhere, and it, you know, there's no, not a jump scare necessarily. It's more of a, just a stuff happens, and then, which again just ties into the way through everything. You know, it, which is just like 
death and horrible things happen in this place. You know, it's a matter of life you know, and the way it is here. You know, and the nature of how everything happens to everybody. And it, it just, yeah. And I think I like seeing that kind of horror in there because it's more, it's subtler than it is in, say, Limbo in, in terms of it's, oh, here's a big scary spider and here's right. this <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, it, again, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. It's, uh, it's more adult, more mature and sophisticated kind of horror. You know, there's nothing wrong with what Limbo does, but it's kind of that in-between ghost house sort of, oh, here's a thing chasing you for a bit. It looks a bit creepy. Whereas there's just stuff comes out of nowhere and inside but not in like a, a quick and holy shit sort of way, but a very sort of slow, dread-inducing, gradual realisation that, oh, this is not going to end well if we don't find a way out. Like um, one of the first times you come into contact with the dogs, for instance, you know, when you have to pry boards off mm. the door <laughs> to try it before, the, and, you know, your first instinct is, well, I'll try and do it all in one go before the dogs get here. And then it sort of clocks on that, no, usually after two or three times of being more for <laughs> death that you know you have to go back to the fence and lead them off the other way and then come back and pull another one off but it's yeah, again sections like that are just incredibly tense and incredibly dread inducing because you know it's coming you know how final it is you know when they get you there's no defence mm. at this point for the and that's probably one of the best uses I've seen you know the defenceless sort of protagonist you know it's like you have your wits about you to escape these situations, but that's it in most cases. You know, that, that's all you can do. And sometimes, you know, that you have to rely entirely on that to keep away from death because you, you can't outrun most things in that game. It, you know, it's like if you're just going to think, oh, I'll just run away. It's like, no, nah, everything's faster than you. It'll yeah. catch you. I think that that puzzle is really fantastic too because it plays around with the background and the foreground mm. in that way that I mentioned earlier and using such a simplistic scenario and environment to the most of its ability, like playing with that depth and having the player have to time it perfectly before they kind of run away from the boards or jump back on the fence, hop the fence so that way the dogs then take off towards the background and then loop around to come and try and catch you and then you have to jump back over once they're on the other side of the fence i mean that's such a brilliant way to play with the environment but also have a puzzle there and then sort of also build that tension like you said i mean you can't outrun anything so chances are if you're not going to play it safe and you're going to try to get more than one board off at a time you're going to get caught and you're going to get dead and then you're going to have to restart and that is one of those examples of again it's simplistic but the way in which they choose to portray that simplicity and then use it in a way that has like a somewhat of a puzzle it's more of like a puzzle fighting for your life type thing rather than like a nat than a logic puzzle it's more of timing wise but i think that that's a really great way to use the sort of inherent danger of the world in a way that feels more pressing than oh i have to clear this jump or Mm. i have to avoid this sonic blast from some piece of machinery that'll blow me into a thousand bits but I think also something that you mentioned about Limbo that I completely agree is that with Limbo in a lot of ways, everything that was kind of like creepy crawly and those things, I expected that, you know, because of the way that the world is portrayed. It's this horror fantasy world. Of course, you're going to get chased by a giant spider. Of course, it's going to impale you. So 
the way in which that world is constructed, when those deaths happen and whatnot, I didn't feel the same way in those moments in terms of tension or really horror in general, other than, I mean, yeah, it's a giant fucking spider. Like, it's terrifying and all this, but you expect it so it doesn't necessarily carry on throughout the maybe three to four times you'll die during the course of trying to solve that puzzle or that engagement. Whereas the world of Inside, I feel like it's so casual in terms of its portrayal and it's familiar to some extent, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, this is supposed to be somewhat of a grounded portrayal of Earth and whatnot. But at the same time, when those death uh, animations occur and they're so brutal and so sudden and so final, like you said, there's no getting injured. You're just dead at the end of that. And the camera lingers for just a moment. It almost feels surprising even if it's like the fourth or fifth time you've died in that engagement and it just it really channels that fear in a way that feels more mature or that horror element in a way that this is supposed to be somewhat of a real earth realm or whatever world whatever you want to call it but at the same time it has the capacity for this brutal violence that the world kind of the camera lingers on your corpse for one or two seconds and then it snaps away it doesn't make a show of it it's not I don't know if exploitive is the right word, but it doesn't sort of linger on the moment, make you bask in it. It's kind of just, you're dead. We're going to move on. Yeah. It's kind of like a sigh. It's like, uh, you yeah. know, it's, the camera fades out and, uh, you know, that's it. And it's like, yeah, that's it. And it's like, always like the game is judging you for dying and failing. You know, that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, we'll, we'll load it up again for you. That's like, and I think also, uh, to take it back to the, the bathosphere section, I think that that is really indicative of layering the sort of understanding of environmental traversal in that, but also then implementing a danger element or a kill yeah. element in it. Whereas you get into it, you kind of learn the maneuvers, you learn there's like this jet propulsion that's timed essentially. So you use it and then you have to wait like five seconds for it to recharge. And mm-hmm. I love, again, this ties into the game's use of color. A majority of the game's black and white, other than the fact that the character's shirt is red. So you are literally a a central uh, figure of color in this game world. But also, items that you interact with are red, and it's kind of the similar type of thing that you see in a lot of games, right? In Doom, in the most recent Doom games, you have these little green LED lights you have to look for. In uh, a Plague yeah. Tale that we talked about, everything you can interact with has white paint on it, right? So there's these yeah. environmental well, there's the, cues uh, with color. Well, the last of us would be whole yellow, this, that, and the other. Exactly. Instead of having a big, like, exclamation mark pop-up that says, like, hey, touch me, push me, shoot me, whatever. They're able to kind of do that very subtly, which I can appreciate. But in terms of using that kind of pod to explore the underground uh, water levels, you learn very quickly, okay, I can use the jet propulsion to smash beams or to smash cracks in the wall that then I can get out of it and swim through that I can open a door but then like you said they introduce uh, the sort of like siren enemy that swims after you and chases you and now you have to use the light that is on the pod basically and the light keeps them away but then you need the light to see some areas and so there's this really great natural progression in heightening elements that not 30 seconds ago were kind of just like oh I've mastered this this is easy this is I don't have to think about it and all of a sudden now you have to worry, contend with yeah. this instant kill enemy that uh, you have to contend with both in the bathosphere, but also in the uh, when you get out of it and swimming around on your lonesome, which you essentially feel naked at that point, but you still have to contend with it. Yeah, and you know that's uh, you know, for me is my big 
dread fear you know is uh, is you know water-based horror stuff it, it and it it does it very well in that case because I, I tell you it's easier the second third time running around because you appreciate what happens and what goes on later but it's still just like so you know, sweat on the brow sort of thing as you, the edges are ever close to you as you're just about to reach the platform and, mm-hmm. oh. and the point that you always know when you're not going to make it you know that again this is a common theme throughout inside that when you are going to fail a lot of the time it is not very apparent until halfway through what you're doing you're like ah yeah I can continue running here I can't go back but either way I'm I'm doomed right. and you kind of have to sort of go through the motions for a little bit longer and knowing full well what what's coming and it's just like uh yeah, and I love that because that is true horror. You know, the sense of like nothing you do right now is going to save you. Like that. No, no combos, no backflips, no jumps, nothing. You can't do any of that. That you are going to die now, and that is it. And it's masterful in the way it sort of handles that in those moments. It's like I, I don't get gets appreciated enough for that kind of uh, use of dread. Yeah, and I think also it's one of those situations where the player's death is always 100% their fault, right? It's this mm. type of thing where it's like, well, I'm dead because there's a flaw in the way I approach this scenario. It's never an issue with the layout or the mechanics of the game, which I think is really important because in some sections, especially, I mean, even on my third replay, there was uh, that siren section, especially when you kind of have to time it just right so that way yeah. you can hit this button and then you can get through kind of like a security door that drops down and it's almost just grabs your ankle almost every single time. Um, It's one of those things where I'm still dying probably two times, two or three before I sort of fully master and be like, Oh yeah, that's right. This is how I have to approach that. But it's always my bad. And I think that it's really important with a game like this, the where death is obviously final. There's no getting wounded. There's no healing. It's you make a mistake, you get distracted. You don't time that perfectly or you don't sort of, learn from your mistakes in past sections or past puzzles, then you're going to die and you're going to learn very quickly or hopefully within three to four deaths that this is how you need to approach the scenario and then you're able to kind of get by it. And that's why I think that the game's length is just perfect because even when you die a couple of times in certain sections, it never, nothing is ever to the degree of difficulty where you're going to be stuck on this for 15 minutes or anything like that which I think is really important when you talk about pacing with an experience like this because it ensures that at least, I mean, not everybody played it in one go, but granted how long the game is, the sort of experience is still going to be fresh enough in your mind that you can really appreciate the overall journey that you've taken from point A to point Z. Um, And I think that with a game like this that has such an ambiguous narrative, but also this sort of like, meta narrative about like player agency and things like that for it just makes something so simplistic stand out to you in a way that feels very profound it's kind of like when you're surprised by a simple game or or a game with a simple premise supposedly or a film with a simple premise those are the ones that stick with you the most Um, and i think that this game is definitely something that's indicative of that um, having that quality in a way that this definitely sticks with me again not to jump all over limbo but this sticks with me in a way that feels more profound 
than Limbo did in almost every way possible. Yeah, it, it feels uh, eerily reminiscent of when we were talking about the jump from Amnesia Dark Descent to Amnesia Rebirth. It's a developer over a, a substantial period of time learning from what they've done, you know, and learning what they can do and having more confidence in their, the people that would like their game uh, to give the trust uh, in terms of how they handle the storytelling and handle things. They're going to understand that people, there will be people that will not like it and not gel with that idea in both cases. And they're okay with that, you know? Mm. And I, that, it's clearly the hardest thing when you have this whole argument of games as art mm. is the half the time you're kind of giving in to what you think the audience wants you know, in terms of how you deliver it. And it's true because the audience is still relatively immature in terms of how it um, handles things, you know, topics and terms and themes. And as such, games that sort of shoot the, the stars, you know, and are always the ones that end up getting battered a bit more because... There'll be a, enough of the people out there that will go, no, it's shit. No, I didn't like it because it didn't do this, 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 this. The, the things that they want to do and what they believe games should do. And we're right. still stuck in that. You know, we're mm-hmm. still stuck in a point where, you know, games like this, games like Amnesia Rebirth will get ignored or criticised unnecessarily because of one little thing or two little things or things they didn't do compared to what they think games should do you know and it it needs to be recognized more that games like this have such you know majesty and credibility as art forms you know and uh, as art in themselves they they do things that you should expect the medium to do you know, at this point you, you should encourage games like inside you know, the fact that we're here five years later and there aren't really that many horror games that really since have captured that you know have really had this sophisticated mature way of telling a story without being like screaming the head off going this is a sophisticated mature storytelling (laughs) thing you know know, as good as it is The Last of Us Part 2 for instance is such a game you know it's like that is very much a big budget idea of this is what a big serious game horror game is about you know and yeah, it's, you, again, you can, there you can see why people, other people on the other side of the coin, you know, kind of don't enjoy it as much because it's like you're kind of pushing what you think we should think on it rather than trying to do what you feel is right, you know. And again, The Last of Us Part Two is a very good example of the things that people don't like about it in generally that are that sort of audience that don't like things like Inside or Rebirth are the things that are the most interesting. You know, mm. for, for I would find personally, there's got to be unsatisfying things. There's got to be questions that can't quite be answered. There's got to be awful, horrible things. It makes sense. Yeah, and I think also it's kind of like when you read reviews, and one of the first things that always stands out to me about reviews when someone's uh, they, they start or at some point a few graphs in, they always say something along the lines of, "Well, I thought," and that's such a flawed way I, th- I find to consume and process any mm. forms of media, whether it's a game or a movie, just because you went into it with sort of a, either preconceived notions or 
you thought it was going to be something you interpreted a piece of media or marketing for the game in a way. I think there really needs to be this sort of upheaval in just consumers' logic when watching a film or playing a game where they need to embrace more of the creator's vision and sort of accept that it's not going to play out exactly the way that they want. And I think that is more so prevalent in games just because it's a younger medium, right? It's a younger medium than film or music for that matter and things to that extent. So, I mean, everybody's going to have certain preconceived notions and thanks to the internet, certain voices are going to have an outlet for that and be amplified by other voices that sort of agree with that, this idea of, well, this isn't a game. This is just a, like I, the term I used a couple of weeks ago, like walking simulator or whatever. But it's something that I think it's always a shame when you encounter that because games or movies, you know, with a game like inside, it's the type of thing I want to see championed more so because yeah. the more that these are, these types of games are not viewed as risks. You know what I mean? In terms of just like, Oh, I mean, this one is critically acclaimed and whatnot, but you would think though, that with the success of Inside, we would see a whole crop of games that approach this mature type of advancement, whether it be in storytelling or in gameplay and sort of the ways in which you're able to incorporate a meaningful message or just more nuanced storytelling very organically. You would There's still got to be risk, though, because we don't see games like Inside crop up all the time. And not saying oh. we need to be oversaturated all of a sudden with games like oh, this no. every couple of months, but you would still think that we would see more games taking the lead from inside. And like you had said, I don't think we're seeing a lot of games like this still, which is disheartening when you go back and think like how old this game is over the course of that many years. It's just, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's a shame. And, you know, this is not to decry reviewers on this one because this was really well received. You know, when I was talking about the two games, you know, I mean, you both. I think suffered more from being four years later, mm. you know, than because so much has changed in the review space where more people who are more willing to cast a properly critical eye over something are now around. But the balance is kind of out of whack now, where that will damn a game that actually tries something a lot more now than it used to, you know, whereas inside, I think. I don't. Maybe it would have also suffered the same way had it come out later. You know, I think it came out just at that right point, but the wrong point in terms of we've really got into the the start of another obnoxious area of console war battles and you know stuff like that. Because inside was a PlayStation exclusive. I believe so. Uh, uh, Initially, yeah, NPC. Yeah, Yeah. and so stuff like. I think we brought this up when we were talking about Rebirth, funnily enough, because that also, you know, still as it stands is a, just thinking about this, by the time it actually goes out the episode, that could not be true. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's a PlayStation 4 exclusive, same for Spelunky 2, these big sequels to indie darlings that did, you know, generally get their um, start out on Xbox. You know, Limbo was a big Xbox hit, you know, and Ninja, again, PC, had some exposure it it sort of kind you know the audience that maybe would have gone for it may not be following you along uh, in a lot of ways so maybe that's a problem but I don't know if that's quantifiable you you see in time but the important thing is you've got to let there be room for developers to have the time to make games like this so what if it takes several years to to make you know a new game like this I mean, you get people 
this very you know, recently screaming about games being delayed by a year that are made by you know hundreds upon hundreds of people <laughs> and they're uh, you know massively complex and it's like and you can't see how these things are, are, are different you know how there is a problem where if you can't work to your normal level because of the way things are in the world of course it's going to go slower and when you you know scale up a project that big it's always going to be the case that you're going to have delays almost instantaneously once you even have any slight sort of trip up in the way you work things and for a small team it's no different you know if you can't work together like you used to or you need to really sort of refine your idea you need that time you need mm-hmm. the patience and time and i think this is where indie games have very much thrived in the horror space as we said with amnesia is because they generally don't have that stress of oh well we've got to get this game out otherwise we're going to be done for when they've had a success before they're usually you know quite measured in how they handle things and then they go on i think you know play dead are very much an example of this they had a successful limbo it was this big you know burgeoning success not only on pc but also you know with xbox 360 it was one of their big indie titles in the early days of that console and so they clearly made enough money to be able to do things at their own pace and that's wonderful you know no pressure to so we've got to our stockholders say we must have this game out now we must do this now like at this time you know that ends up making companies who were you know had people fawning over them you know a few months before uh suddenly become pariahs because the one the game came out in awful state it, mm-hmm. it's and that will always be a problem in terms of how you make art over content you know right. if you want art and you want something that is profound and meaningful you have to give it the time it needs it doesn't matter if it misses its window of relevance in terms of uh, an audience and I think that's where games have sort of tried to generally jump beyond the point of where films were where films had these different levels you know where yes you have these big films but you have these very personal smaller films that you know they get the recognition you know on the Oscar stage and the award stage and all that and we don't really have that um, in games as much I think the big games that cost lots of money tend to dominate unless you get like a surprise multiplayer thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's very rare that the indie games get through. It's, it is really oddly like the, you know, the opposite of what the movies are like in that regard. It's more like the music industry when you mm. think about it, it yeah. going, I've gone off on a right to right here with this, but it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, all, it's all very relevant though. And I mean, that speaks to just like again where consumers are in the industry just kind of eats up that in certain elements of the industry do this idea that it's like well you got to get the next thing out you got to get the next yeah. thing out and it's one of those things where at the same time like we're talking about this i'm still very thankful that there are companies like play Dead where it's like okay between limbo and inside it was about six years i think and it's almost been that since we've seen another game from them and so yeah. It's one of I those mean, things. We've teases, haven't we, for the new one? Yeah, yeah there have been teases. But in terms of just like when we're actually going to get our hands on it, like it's one of those examples of a company that still has had lots of success and yet, not yet at least, they haven't buckled to this demand for the next thing within a couple of years or something to that extent. Yeah, well, yeah, again, as you say, we're at five years here. 
and I you know a couple of years ago we sort of got our first tease of what they were doing and I'd imagine like I was saying earlier you know the events uh, of the last year or two have probably delayed them somewhat you know in terms of what they're right. doing when they've it feels like very collaborative very much a case they have to be together to do this thing and make it right and you know that's harder to do than once you've been separated and apart in any way and their next game will very much be a case of I will willingly wait for it because I am very interested in what they're going to do and I, I believe that they will do something no matter how I end up thinking about it at the end I always guarantee it will be something that I will think about longer than most things that are done to, you know, a timesheet, you know? Right. It's not just the next thing. It's the next sort of evolution of, to a certain extent, obviously not only the technology, but inevitably seeing how they adapt with that, but also their company ethos and how they make games and things like that. If we saw as much of an evolution from Limbo to Inside that we've been highlighting I mean, again, imagine what the next version of that is going to look like. And that's very exciting. And I mean, you have to you look at some companies that have made games on a very frequent basis. And sometimes it's been to a detriment to whatever they've released. I don't know necessarily every company that keeps releasing these games in this sort of small release window gap of like three years or something like that. I don't know necessarily that all of those projects speak to that and that taps into what you were saying about like content versus art this idea that if you're going to be spending this time making something it's like are you just making it to have something to be able to release so that people don't forget your name or you're going to take the time to really let this idea and this tech and sort of your company evolving in the way they make games or tell stories or have the audience consume your games in terms of just like jumping from new technology in between releases i mean that stays with people in a way that i think at least for people like you and me that have, that enjoyed Limbo and really, really enjoyed uh, Inside, it buys a, the amount of goodwill that, yeah, I'll wait another six years for their next game in between or seven or whatever. It's like the, they have earned my trust in that regard and that doesn't matter how long it takes. Take your time to build that. And of course, yeah. I mean, everybody should approach that, that idea that, okay, if a developer needs more time, that means they want to make it as best as possible to avoid... Uh, some other maybe big release games that have came out within the last year and a half that uh, kind of fumbled their release after being promised for all of these years. But it's one of those things where they're going. it's only going to better the product, which in essence is the best outcome for the consumer, which seems to be lost on a lot of people these days <laughs> still. Yeah, it, it goes, again, goes back to this sort of very childish idea of comparing it to other mediums in terms of oh well this takes this long you know, yeah. this book took uh, four months to, to be made and here it is and it's a thousand pages it things shouldn't be valued by how long they take and how the out how much you get out of it mm-hmm. you know it, it's you know something can take 10 years and be experienced in an hour and a half and still be absolutely relevant and still have a really impactful message. I think about, you know, I'll point this out, we're recording this well in advance of when the anniversary is or when it goes out. Mm. I may be dating myself with some of this stuff, but we were discussing at the point that Bo Burnham's uh, The Comedian Special came out like this last week and, you know, he recorded that over the space of a year, you know, which, you know, something that normally you practice for a few months, you go perform it on stage, that's it. You know, and yet, you know, with this unique system of the things he had to do, it was in his own house with his own setup, 
and he fiddled and fiddled and fiddled for various reasons. And despite you know his own disdain and anger and frustration with everything and how it went, you know he produced something that was truly magnificent because it was nothing like he'd done before. It was experimental. It was you could tell the effort had been put in. You know, right. even on a relatively small budget, and you've got to allow more things. Like that. And you think that that is on Netflix as content? You know, <laughs> you know, and that's it. It's there because they're like, oh well, you know, his specials have done great numbers for us in the past, and that's wonderful. And we we want him on again because people watch it. And damn right, people. I think it was like quite fittingly showed up as like ninety seven percent. You know great rating on Netflix you know in the first week you know it was like put it I think second in terms of anything that was on there you know and I see the reviews on places like Letterboxd where it still sits at 4.5 out of 5 you know already you know I know most of the falling game out that was like 4.6 because people you know (laughs) love the guy but it's just wonderful to see that that sort of thing can be embraced you know that someone took their time whether they wanted to or not, and made something that remained relevant for a long time. You know, I think we should embrace that absolutely with, with video games. And I think, unfortunately, the indie space is where you're going to get it. And I think that to bring that back to like Limbo and Inside, I think that Inside is the perfect evolution from Limbo in the sense that it's taking a lot of familiar things, but it's tweaking them just enough that it's making it a whole an experience, a whole new experience in and of itself. And while on the surface you might say, okay, you just took Limbo and you made a 2.5 dimensional uh, platformer. But if you yeah. sit down and you play inside, it's so much different and it's so it's so representative of a group of people that didn't and purposefully so did not just do what they had done previously. Yeah. They had not just resting on the laurels of their success with Limbo and the sort of notoriety that gave them and all of that. They took the elements from that and they were able to evolve on it in a meaningful way that not only complements the gameplay, I mean, I think Inside is, is quote unquote, more fun to play as a game, but it also, it's more involving, narratively speaking, the environmental yeah. storytelling, again, sort of this, the breadcrumbs to the mystery that this world is uh, all wrapped up in. And it challenges the player to think about how they're playing games and the reason why we play games, like I was talking about player agency in a way that doesn't feel like it is shoving it down your throat or it's like, Hey, you can't miss the true meaning of this. Like we had talked about with some other games where it's like, this is, this is what we're doing in case you didn't realize. And I think that that is at the core of inside and that it does so many complex things. And yet again, somebody that doesn't play it or maybe plays it for a few minutes might say, well, this is just another platformer when if you actually sit down and play it and experience it and accept this is the developer's vision and you're not going to let your own preconceived notions interfere with it and whatnot, or it's yeah. maybe not what you thought it was going to be having that sort of attitude going in, you realize that no, this is a game that is made by people that fully understand their vision for it, but also they're moving forwards as a developer, as game makers, as storytellers, which... I mean, within the indie space, it's pretty remarkable with over the course yeah. of six or so years in between development and just two games. I mean, that's remarkable. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to bring up the Bo Burnham special because it has <laughs> a, a very relevant point that just came to my mind. There's a section in it where he takes a piss out of Twitch streamers, yeah, mm. and how they approach video games, funny enough. And ironically, the pretend game he has in there is called Inside. And <laughs> yeah, but he's basically just like, you know, he's controlling himself in this room and how it basically goes about how it's like a point and click type of adventure, if you will, and how he can't get out of the room. And his only action is generally to cry. You know, it's like, you know, everything. And then he plays the piano for a bit, which makes him happy for a second. Then he cries and it, the day is complete. And then the guy he's playing, who is this Twitch streamer, is like saying, I, I think I get it. it you know, it's kind of like Death Stranding. It? it gives me Death Stranding vibes. In you know, it, it's fucking boring, but that's the point. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> and like, yeah, that perfectly kind of sums up how the approach is because the guy misses the point entirely mm. of what the game's about. He gets the point that the guy, oh, he's been stuck in here a long time, like that. He doesn't get what you know the idea that it's about something. You know, and right. it, it kind of has that thing of like there are games made for content and that's great for people who want to stream it you know and do stuff like that those kind of games don't really play well to that sort of uh crowd because you know how many times have you seen that from like people who watch a youtube video of a game or a twitch thing where they they go i watched it and it looked shit (laughs) because it's like well yeah you're kind of missing out on the, the important part Mm. Of, of a game there you know which is playing the game you know, right, right. experiencing it uh, yeah I just think that's a, in, very poignant and you know for someone who isn't like in the game space he, he nailed that really well <laughs> well it sounds like I need to watch that Bo Burnham special at some point I'm, this weekend but... I'm sure you will have by the time this has gone yeah. out <laughs> absolutely but I mean it comes across kind of also like that idea where if you see a two minute game trailer or whatever and then the top comment is just like well this looks awful and I was like yeah I'm pretty sure that two minutes of uh, of a sizzle reel is not indicative of the actual experience or anything remar- resembling that but I think that with Inside like when you if you play that game for more and if you're familiar with Limbo of course even if you're not within the first 20 minutes of that game I feel like it's unlike anything you've played before even if it borrows variables from other games that you've obviously been playing chances yeah. are your entire life. Again, it speaks to taking something very complex and giving it this very simplistic and approachable package. I think that that is the biggest strength of this game is that it's very complex and it has these layers and yet at the end of the day it's about a faceless child that can jump, he can climb on things and he can move things. And those are the That's only it. three functions that he has. And If the game was any more complex, if there had been combat or anything like that, it would overcomplicate itself, which then would interfere with the true purpose and message behind playing that game. And I think that there are just so many instances, and I mean, they're too numerous to even detail, but the idea that they're able to take all of these very familiar concepts in games, whether it's enemy avoidance, puzzle solving, platforming, and... They are able to tweak it and add little bits of depth to it in a way, whether it's playing with, again, foreground and background or the complexity of puzzles or lack thereof complexity. And it's mostly just like simplistic logic in this way that you wouldn't almost uh, anticipate given how simplistic the rest of the game seems to be. It's a remarkable feat and it makes me just ever more, every time I replay it, it just makes me hunger for the next thing that they make. But at the same time, never losing track of the reality that 
I want them to take as much time as possible. Don't rush anything. So, sorry, my Tarad did sort of uh, derail us and get us way over time, I think, on this one. But we've got, we've got a couple of things we still need to sort of bring up. I think one is very kind of obvious, uh, being the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the whole what the fuck is this? Goes <laughs> <laughs> up. So to sort of describe it, it you find out that this child's entire journey was basically become one with the multi-person blob. Uh, that, that's <laughs> clearly, yeah, the, it's clearly key to this whole experimentation and key to whatever else is going on out in the world. Again, ambiguous as to why. Could it be it's been made to cure something out in the world that has caused the illness and like the pigs you saw? Or is it just because that is that very experimentation, the cause of everything? We don't find that out. But from the minute you end up being part of this sack of meat, it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's like, you know, you just roll, you know, you crash through all this stuff this and that is where the game flips from being you know where it's been making you think it's an escape and it's just, it's an escape and now it's you find out it's not you've been trying to infiltrate back to where you were and then it becomes an escape for the last sort of run of the game and it feels like you know had the you know that your character was part of this mass of humanity and <laughs> clearly the intelligent part of it which feels like that's why everyone was trying to stop that being part of everything. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it suddenly sort of validates the idea of them treating this child with such you know, harshness is because they don't see it as human. You know, they see it as like a threat. It's like, well, we can't let them get back with the rest of it because... And that's where, to me, it sort of ties into thinking, well, is it the cause of the problem? that are going on in the rest of the world you know because why else would they see this child as such a threat and want to murder him at every opportunity you know it's so yeah it's an absolutely gobsmacking sort of ending in the sense of you're just there controlling it and it is just a writhing mass of meat and limbs and things like that that eventually ends in it just sort of flopping down a hill and just being there and it's it's weird to say that it feels like a perfect ending because mm. it's like you wouldn't have if someone had gone to you how do you think this game ends that's not it right <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not it. and that's great i mean it shouldn't be but it is just then connects the dots for everything that has happened to you to that point and like i said it makes that whole journey you know it makes the reason for it understandable which is delightful because you suddenly like wow you know you really sort of confirm what you may have suspected at this point that you know that it wasn't an escape it was coming into the, you know he wanted to be one with himself now and all this you know like i said you wouldn't expect why he went there but mm. once it happens you're like yeah wow i it, it's only till the, once the credits are rolling that you sort of get the idea you know you start thinking about it more because when during the moment of it you know you are just watching this thing move and you're just just like horrified and confused and and (laughs) amazed you know and it's you don't have the time to think about why Mm -hmm. and as i said that the credits sort of give you the perfect time to sit there and go all right yeah yeah this makes okay yeah ah, like that and again 
so few games, you know, in the right. People say, well, there's this game, this game, this game, and this game that do this, this, and this. But, you know, know, hundreds and hundreds of games come out every month almost at this point, you know, when you think about it. And relatively speaking, it's rare to have games that actually have something that make you think beyond, you know, like, oh, yeah, I I saw that coming, but from that, this is very much a case of, wow. I you know I hadn't replayed the game until we, you know, this, this last week or so, and just so much came flooding back. And I'd been thinking about it for years when people talked about you know the end of the generation and stuff like that. And it was, it was always in my mind, you know, one of those games up there that just flabbergasted me in terms of <laughs> what it did and how it ended. And I mean, the ending almost feels like what anyone talks about. Yeah. You know, because of what happens, but it's like it is also what gives the rest of it such depth, right? You know, and, and I think that's what there's not enough discussion about that, you know, as a game. The, you know, all that ends up being the big thing. It's like talking about something like society, you know, the film Society, where mm-hmm. it only ever gets talked about because of the shunting scene, mm-hmm. you know, but there's so much to it more you know beyond that you know it's you know it's a comedy and it has all these wonderful sort of digs at high society in general and it sort of culminates in this like what the fuck is this <laughs> moment and you know it's quite a good parallel in a lot of ways because it is just like everything that comes before it in general talk about both things ends up being about that you know this big fucking nutso scene but when you talk about art and things like that, I mean, it's very rarely one scene or one moment. I mean, those moments have significance, whether they be shocking or poignant or whatnot. But more often than not, it's the legwork in getting there that kind of heightens those moments and makes them memorable in the best ways possible. And I think yeah. that the conclusion of Inside, I mean, it finally exploding into full-blown horror at the end with this amalgamation of horrifying meat that's crushing people and it's made of nothing but arms and legs i mean it reminded me a lot of the uh the neil blomkamp uh short film zygote where it's just this like mess of bodies that have been consumed and it becomes this thing that hunts down all the remaining survivors in this mining colony but in this it not only provides context for the why of the game but the why even still like we're not given details about anything really it's kind of just this very broad why but just that broad enough reasoning for Mm. why we're doing this i think like you had said it complements every single element that leads up to it and had the game again that moment i find is only powerful or has the payoff that it does because of the journey and getting there and that's where i think games like this it's more about the journey than getting a definitive why or having that big set piece moment because if the game was not so phenomenal for the first three-fourths leading up to that last chapter where you have this monster and you're still using all the same variables that you had in the beginning of the game, you're just stronger or you can fit into certain areas that you couldn't before. Like, that's very important, I think. I think that that second half of the game or the last chapter where you play as the monster, 
it would lose a lot of its significance to the rest of the game if all of a sudden you had these crazy powers or you were able to like throw your arms or limbs or whatever and like spear people or do what monsters do right it's more so just a a horrific mutation of what you were able to do previously and the puzzles evolve around that in a really fantastic way Mm. like there's one instance where you need to blow something up so you have to take a box and you have to take it to an incinerator light it on fire but then when you try to bring it back there's like a sprinkler system so you use your uh, advanced strength now to hurl it over the sprinkler run underneath catch it do the same thing and again that's so simplistic but it feels again very just natural to the world and where you're at in that point in the game it doesn't feel contrived it's not oh i'm gonna swing my way across this canyon or whatever (laughs) something that's so fantastical that it doesn't represent anything else that the game is about and i mean it's also quite satisfying that you have been in danger the entire game and now everybody around you that's been putting you in danger is in danger to the point where i think you essentially like kill the foreman or whatever of that area right you kind of run into an office and crash into this guy and send him hurling to his death and crush him yeah it it, it's remarkable in that regard i mean I've sort of talked a little about what I thought it meant mm. as a game in terms of the ending and the story. How did you sort of interpret it? Yeah, so I had a couple of theories. I guess I'll stick to the one that's probably my uh, my leading one, which is a lot of the game is just about reinforcing that player agency. And mm. one of the elements that I think really fuels that is that when you get in it's much more prevalent in the later part of the game when you are about to find the monster there's this zero four that pops up in a lot of the environments almost kind of echoing like you are a a test subject in a lot of ways like sure you escaped and now you're infiltrating but also i found that that with me resonated this idea that the player themselves is a test subject and that you aren't the only person on this journey uh, Mm. which maybe is like a little more meta and not sort of the literal narrative uh, story that's being told but it kind of just made me think more about the idea of how people play games, the thought process that goes into experiencing a game, how we don't necessarily question anything. It's like, well, I want to be entertained and we do whatever the game asks of us, whether it literally asks or through how it enables us. Again, you only have three options of uh, interacting with things in this game and they're very limited and yet we've had almost an hour and a half conversation about yeah, this game that is, okay, I can run, I can climb, and I can push things. And yet you don't need advanced mechanics to have a thoughtful conversation or just an in-depth conversation like we're having. So I definitely agree also, obviously, with the more literal where you are this person that escaped and now you're being drawn back and infiltrating and freeing this. And it's interesting that we never get a, we know the why but we don't know why it's being freed. And I think that that's interesting. Is it a malevolent force that's using its manipulative mind control powers to get you to free it so it can cause havoc Mm -hmm. elsewhere? Or is it a potential cure to whatever those worms are that are in the pig's asses that we see earlier in the game? I mean, in terms of literally how it ends, I do feel like it's he's putting it out of its misery. Mm. He's trying to get it out, uh, just end its suffering and not let it be live its days out in that that lab you know it it, it, that feels like the most logical sort of thing but I love that it it could be any sort of thing it it really could be interpreted in so many ways I think 
But also, I think that that's an example of like the best storytelling in games when you don't have mm-hmm. narrative, you don't have uh, dialogue throughout the entire game, right? It's this idea. Well, there is a narrative, but it's environmental or yeah. it's inferred. It's not dialogue based. Yeah, I mean, there's um, no there's no word of dialogue in the entire yeah. game. There's, there's no word of dialogue, and there's no uh, even like in the environment themselves. There's no text really. It's just other than that zero four that I mentioned. But yeah. it's one of those things where again, you're given enough sort of avenues for potential explanations, but it's all on the player and how they interpret that. And I think that it's one of those games that every time you replay it, you walk away with a new interpretation of it, or you pick up on something new and you get to have these conversations again about something that seems so simple. But if we're given all the answers to a limited number of questions, then there's not a whole hell of a lot to talk about. And it's not going to be very interesting. It's going to be, hey, we might as well have read the Wikipedia page. Oh, did you think that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the reason for this mind control is interesting, but we're not having that conversation. We're having one about how this resonates with us in different ways. And yet there's not a word of dialogue or text in the entire game, which is a remarkable feat in and of itself. Yeah. And I think time will be very kind to inside. I think uh, as criticism evolves and maybe the medium evolves, I'd like to think it would evolve. Uh, I know the signs aren't particularly promising in terms of uh, you know the numbers get bigger more people play games but how many people care I mean I think that should be a problem in the same way that that film criticism or music criticism um, shouldn't be like you know it exists and it cultivates and there there are meaningful conversations had out of it Mm -hmm. But, you know, you are always going to have, like, the general consensus. The the larger audience are just going to say, well, I don't give a shit about any of that. I, <laughs> I, I will watch, play, read whatever I want, you know, and listen to whatever I want. And that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. That's how it should be. Uh, you know, the people are going to just consume stuff like that. And I think it goes back to what we've been saying before, the, the whole Mark Kermit quote of, like, if something's going to make money anyway, you might as well make it interesting and daring and do something with that you know because like why not do that instead of just make something that's okay you know it's like you've got that opportunity i think some games do learn that lesson in terms of big budget games but it's rare you know it is very very rare you know and it, it feels like it's becoming increasingly rare you know as much as i've been down on the idea of the whole art content thing i think that ultimately won't stop indie companies from having their avenues to do interesting things and mm. keep video games being interesting. And you, you hear it a lot that, oh, well, you know, games are terrible now because blah, blah, blah. They're all like these big mass market things. Do you hear the same arguments about film and, and all that? It's no different. It's how deep you look. Mm. Uh, if you're there sitting there saying, well, there's nothing good in video games, you know, it, then you're lying to yourself because what you're saying is there's nothing grandiose and spectacular in video games that I like and I'm not willing to look at anything else. That's what you're saying when you say that because there is. you In any medium, no matter how terrible you think the mainstream area of it is, there is definitely always something. You know, right. I, yeah. I don't know anything about pretty much the the pop charts or the, you know, the in terms of music, the, the movie stuff befuddles me sometimes when you see stuff that can get, you know, do good box office numbers, 
despite being uh, a trite, even in genres I like, you know, mm. horror is very much like that. You know, yeah. where, you know, some absolute garbage can do big numbers, but it's name value rather than what right. it is. But it's fine. I, I accept that that is part of the process. Mm. I, I'm always happy that, that you have this alternative, you know, that you have people who are going to be okay and make enough money to keep going on and making their own projects. And in terms of just how people consume games like this past, far past, when they're actually released and getting the proper appreciation for it, whether it be the media, critics, whatnot, I think as, if you'll allow me a brief tangent, uh, as somebody that just got an Xbox Series S this week, and the wonderment and just the sort of overwhelming (laughs) nature of something like Game Pass, which I just got, and seeing a library of 300 or 400 or whatever games at my disposal at the click of a button and the realization that games that came out 10, potentially 15 years ago can find a home and can find a new audience. I think that that Mm. is one of the biggest elements moving forwards and we're already seeing it now, but I mean, just thinking in terms of the next 10 years of games and consoles and technology and things like that, the idea that these games can get a second wind essentially and find an audience that can be more appreciative of it, an audience that perhaps is stumbling upon it or an audience that comes to it at least when whatever kind of maybe media fervor surrounding it or for that matter, like fans that are negative on the idea of what this could be as games as art type thing, that fervor has died down. I mean, I think about games like, not to date myself too much, but like Braid, (laughs) like how Braid was, that was such a big deal. Oh, it's not a game, it's art, that whole discussion. I mean, imagine coming to that game five, ten years removed from that kind of dialogue that set gaming forums and uh, websites on fire, that part, that corner of the internet on fire. Imagine coming to that with free of all of that noise and bullshit and being able to appreciate it for what it is, what it does, what it sets out to do. I mean, uh, the the reality is with media, the way we consume it, and especially like websites and things like that and Twitter being first and foremost, of course, the way that we (laughs) consume anything, whether it's a game, a movie, or music, there's a good chance that we are forming an opinion about it before we even get our hands or our ears or our eyes on it, which I think things like Game Pass, when you come to a game five years removed from that, or maybe you know about it, but you never played it, it's been so many years, you forgot whatever you heard about it, you have basically a a blank slate to approach that with, which is a luxury, I think, moving forwards and even now in terms of a certain pool of games that are being released. Yeah, absolutely. I think that wraps that up nicely. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Neil, as always, it's a pleasure in talking uh, horror. Yeah, long may it continue. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.